the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Extortion amongst teenage boys. And later, how Jesus' return changes the way we live now. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Wednesday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. So glad that you're with us today. As always, if you've missed any of our show... We'd love to invite you to go back, catch up on the old podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can get that podcast wherever it is you download and stream your podcasts. Uh, speaking of podcasts, are you listening to anything good lately, Brian? You know, nothing you're going to like. Although Malcolm Gladwell, big Malcolm Gladwell yeah, fan, but I yeah. just finished his new season on guns, which was fascinating. And as I, I told you, I got to listen to ago, that. Yeah. Yeah. I told you a couple weeks ago, it is not like. Oh, if you're anti-gun, you're going to love it. But if you're pro-gun, you're going to hate it or vice yeah, versa. Yeah, yeah. He kind of makes you think on both sides. And that's mm. what I like about my Bible. So okay. Revisionist history. I would encourage people that. Sometimes I listen to one called American Scandal. That's kind of a history one. Ooh. Breaking down like old scandals. And then this is where you and I would probably diverge. I do a lot of sports. I do a lot yeah. of. Yeah. I do a lot of like. Hey, here's what happened last week in football. Let's well, talk so about it. That's what I was going to ask you that. So, okay. So, on a sports podcast, are they just like, they're just chatting about sports? Like the game? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, let's unpack this game, but it's yeah. like, it's usually just guys sitting around yeah. talking about, the, you know, how, what's going on in the season and stuff. You'd hate them. You'd hate You know what? Actually, when people might think that you would hate a podcast I enjoy, but I actually think you would really like it. It's called the Popcast. And it's just like two people. It's kind of like me and you. And they're just hilarious about pop culture. And I um, feel like you would actually really enjoy that. Uh, I'm good with that. I was reading pop culture stuff just yesterday. Oh, you were? <laughs> Did you learn anything? Did you learn anything good? Well, you got all the Jada Pinkett stuff, uh, Smith stuff. That That's weird. But yeah, this is so going to be super dark. But did you see in Britney Spears' new memoir, she came out and said that her and Justin Timberlake got an abortion when she was 18? No. Super dark. I don't even know why I told you that. But when you asked what was I reading about oh, in pop culture. Well, that's actually kind of a good segue to a dark topic. We're going to talk about related to teenagers, not about abortion, but about something kind of unexpected. I saw this in the Washington Post, Brian. Thousands of teenage boys are being extorted. Listen to this in Ooh. sexting scams. Oh, I heard this. Yes. Wow. Okay. So I have teenage boys. So obviously this you know, shocked me. And I haven't talked to my kids about it, but I will. So the story starts with a couple named Lynn and Paul. They're sitting in their Seattle home one night earlier this year. Their son, Michael, who's 17 years old, plays football like my mm -hmm. son, like your son, right in that age range, uh, burst in the into the room, made a beeline for his mom's purse on the dining table. When they asked what he was up to, the son says this, I'm being blackmailed. And essentially, it's a story. You may have heard stories like this before, but he'd been chatting with somebody through Instagram and Snapchat, support, supposedly a 16-year-old girl. She said he was cute. They never met, but she had pictures. They're flirting back and forth online. Mm -hmm. And then this is the story. And I've heard this from you know police yes. that this happens. The person behind the account asked to see a photo of the kid yes. naked. 
That's right. That's where Spe- it always starts. Ah, specifically requests that he includes his face. Now, this happens to girls, too. It's interesting to me, though, that it's, you know, there's like thousands of boys in this. Right. Uh, so, unfortunately, teenage teenager feeling in yeah. love, feeling like they're Hormones belonging. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sends the image. And then suddenly this person who seemed sweet and fun is now demanding money through Zelle from the teenager, basically threatening, Hey, I'm going to show that I'm going to send the nude photo around. Yep. And yep. so apparently this is what, you know, online safety and law enforcement experts are calling financial sextortion in which predators befriend victims online under false pretenses, entice them to send incriminating photos, then demand payback. Mm. Uh, And it's interesting to me that they're, of course, targeting young people, but teen boys are being specific targets. And they're saying that these um, exploiters are using shame, embarrassment, fear, tapping into that in order to exploit children's worst nightmares. Oh, Brian, disturbing. I mean, there was, I think this started to get, uh, I wondered if this was the story you tell. I, I, this started to get a lot of um, press because uh, there was a, there have been suicides around it where boys are like, mm. I'm super embarrassed. I can't tell my parents. I can't pay mm. this money. But now everyone's going to see these pictures. And there have been like stories where mm. normal high school – and this is why this is a really big deal. And yeah. it's – it pray it, it's there's a lot wrapped up in this right social media yeah and uh the dangers of it this is all like remember a couple of years uh, the the show is still on with all the catfishing yes stuff right and, right yes you know the linebacker over at notre dame uh-huh. and all that stuff where mm-hmm. you're like how did somebody think they had a girlfriend for a year or never <sighs> but it happens and you know people will do anything there's bad people out there to make money bad people out there yeah and so this this raises huge red flags like uh, the good part about that story is that the kid was like i got to figure this out yeah and, and he his told his parents in. yeah exactly most kids are like i have to hide this i have to hide this but mm-hmm. how do kids get thousands of dollars while hiding this while protecting their and you understand why I mean, again, to be dark about it, you understand how this results in suicide. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, my life is over. Though this is a huge deal. Yeah, it's a really huge deal. It is so awful. And I, you know, I've heard people say like these, you know, uh, these exploiters, these abusers, these criminals, like they go where kids are, and so of course yes. they're going to be online. Of course they're, they're going to be on target. Snapchat. They're going to be on TikTok. They're going to be on. Um, discord or whatever the things, the places are their kids on. It makes me think of our conversation with Corey Hockett, you know, talking mm-hmm. about the reality of social media and our kids. And I, you know, I think, I, I don't know, like some of it is like, okay, we need to talk to our kids and tell them, yeah. look, this is a scam that's going out there. Absolutely do not, you know, buy into this kind of thing. It also, you know, raises I think the question of just our kids' emotional reality and our yes. teenagers, like you're saying, like certainly hormones and, but certainly this sense of like, look, I want someone to like me. Like I right. ultimately, I think that's such a, such a human desire, but especially teenagers trying to find their identity and, yeah. and all of that stuff. So it feels like it. you have to have a conversation with your kids mm-hmm. about this kind of thing, period. Mm-hmm sexual exploitation online but then also like what's underneath that right right. like their hearts and their identity and and that kind of thing there are like two a couple layers to this like you said 
but you know, when we were talking to Corey Hockett about social media and student and kids, it was, you did get left with like, like I don't monitor my kids stuff mm -hmm, me neither, like, I'm not Brian. looking at their stuff. No, no. And I trust my children, but that yeah. might be in the end, a naive thing to say. Right. And so, right. You know, when you read stuff like that, you're like, oh, we do need to be more proactive. We do need to talk about these things because there are bad people out there. There are yeah. people who are, I mean, somebody who would do this to a high school kid is, is like, it's evil. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dirty, disgusting, gross, awful and evil. Two, I think you bring up kind of this larger point as to where's our kids identity? Like where are mm -hmm. they finding belonging? How do they fall into a trap like this? Like yeah. it's, at first when you read these things, you're like, send a picture you do that but right that's like part of this age and what yeah. they do and uh we could dig we could put our head in the sand and just hope that our kids don't fall prey to something mm -hmm. like this and even if they don't fall prey to something like this like you said just the fact that they might be getting their identity from what yeah. people are saying or this or that yeah is, is parents need to be awake to this kind of stuff and and mm -hmm. help their kids process it yeah, I, I think that's it. I think it's just something for us. To, it's a hard story and a hard reality, but something for us to be mindful of and get more intentional about. Well, coming up next, Brian, you know, all the things that are happening in the world right now, lots of conversations about is Jesus coming back? When is Jesus coming back? I have a friend who's convinced it's happening like right now. Maybe he's right. But I want to talk to uh, us about, I want us to talk about, you know, what does that actually mean? Like, what does Jesus Jesus's return. How does it change the way we live? We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Brian, I, I mentioned just a few minutes ago that I have a friend who's, you know, watching all of the worldwide events, especially uh, in Israel yeah. and, you know, is very convinced like all of this is evidence of Jesus's return and is sending me all kinds of articles to prove oh, really? it and yeah yeah he's 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 ready which you know in one sense like you want to like i don't know there's this part of me that wants to be kind of cynical and like push back and there's this other part of me that's like well i should live in light of jesus's return i should yeah. be excited about this i i think he's maybe a little too focused on some things that aren't necessarily biblical so we're talking about that but um and yet what we know is Jesus will return. We don't know when. We mm -hmm. have no idea if it'll be in our lifetime on earth or not. Like we we just don't know. And I think every generation watches the signs of the That's times right. and assumes Jesus is coming back and hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it happens soon. But I think the question, and this is something that the Gospel Coalition was actually asking, like in light of this conversation I'm having with my friend, one question that he asked me, he's like, okay, so if Jesus is coming back soon, like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And he feels a deep sense of urgency, like all his non-Christian friends, he wants to go like, really? You know, yeah, like evangelize. He wants to stand on the street corner and like tell people about Jesus. And he, you know, he's, he feels a sense of urgency that... I actually, you know, there's something really respectable about it. Like, I think we For all sure. ought to be living in light of the return of Jesus, whether it's happening today or a thousand years from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, you know, Gospel Coalition is asking this question too. How can Jesus's return change us? They specifically say, if we don't know when it will be. But I think the uh, the question we should grapple with here is kind of the question of my friend, like, okay, Jesus is coming back one day, what do we do? Like, how should we live in light of the return of Jesus? Do you have any thoughts on that? I do. Uh, 
So first of all, I think there's the danger in this conversation where this is at least what I see in other people is like everything's about trying to put the pieces together. Oh, I know. All of our focus is like, well, Israel, this and yeah. uh, you know, Hamas and this and the United States. And, and it becomes a, it, there's here, I'll put it this way. There's, there's a, being watchful and being ready. And then yeah. there's being obsessed and like, kind of like a detective. Right. And totally, even, totally. Even Jesus said, it's not for us to know when or, you know, the, the hour. And so, uh, you know, when you first said you got a friend who's like, it's happened, it's happened. Like I first thought my first thought was like, oh, one of those, like, here we go, books and articles and this and that. And it can become, it, it's just, that could go off the tracks. Yeah, now, totally. In reality, like you said, like I, I always talk, I always say it, it doesn't so much matter when, Jesus is returning or how Jesus is returning, but that Jesus is returning. Yeah. That's what, and so the way you described your friend is, is like, think right. Like we are called in scripture to be watchful, to mm. be prepared, mm. to be not asleep, mm. to be um, cognizant that Jesus could come back at any point. And that therefore doesn't cause us to like, pack our bags and wait and disconnect yeah, it actually yeah. causes us to do what you're saying your friend is doing. It it should cause us urgency, yeah. urgency to tell people urgency, right. right? There's the parables. Like how do we want to be found when Jesus comes? Right. Do you, you want, want your hand you to the plow or do you right, want to be? Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. And so when you use words like urgency mm-hmm. and perspective and mission, like those are, that's, what should happen? It's mm-hmm. a it's a reminder of our of our that this is not our home. Yeah, that there is coming a day, and that that doesn't cause us to go. Okay, I'm going to sit with my charts and try to figure out every last mm-hmm. piece. No, like you said, it should provide us urgency that says I need to I need to live on mission. I need to yeah. talk to my friends. I need yeah. to um, be about the things of Jesus. I think yeah. if that's the response, then it's that's biblical. Like that's how we're supposed to be. If the response is, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't run to the wrong. run to the hills with your or, cans or like or let's try to figure it all out and spend our days. Like I don't yeah. think that that's time well spent. But how you describe your friend there, I think that's the right perspective. Yeah, I I think that's a really actually kind of helpful for me to hear because even engaging with this friend, he's doing the kind of the detective thing and looking at all the signs and listening to, you know, some some people that are saying this means this, and this is this one sign from Isaiah. And this is, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like maybe, (laughs) right. But I think you're right. Like, unfortunately that can, that I think really good desire for Jesus to come back could actually almost turn into an idol itself. Like if you're focused so much on that, that you kind of, uh, I don't know. Forget, I guess, to live. But thankfully, my friend is like living with the sense of mission and urgency. Yeah, so I, yeah. so I think what do you think fuels the, yeah, what do you think fuels the? I want to know exactly when and put the pieces together. Like, uh, yeah. is it like I want Jesus to come, or is it so fascinating, or is it like feels like you're in a movie, like you're trying to figure this I out? I, I've I, also I've wondered been the trying people to, who are obsessed. Yeah. Yeah, like almost the psychology behind it a little bit. Like, I wonder if it's similar to like a conspiracy theory. Like, you're just like watching all of the. I, I don't know. Like, there is this part of me that 
that thinks some personalities are a little more drawn to it. That kind of thing. They'll like the putting the puzzle pieces together and watching all the signs and reading things into scripture. And it might just be the way someone was formed and what their understanding yeah. is of like yeah. eschatology. It might be a need to, I, I hope this is okay to say a need to control future events. Like maybe life feels a little chaotic and, and scary. And you see something that's so devastating, like what's happening in Israel and you, um, you want to be able to make sense of it. And so like, this is a way to try to control the uncontrollable or maybe some other horrible things are happening in your life or, or I, I, I'm not, I, I'd be interested to know like people who've kind of done some research on this. Like, what is the psychology? Cause I do think some Christians are more bent towards really paying attention to right. that than other Christians are. And maybe we're all asleep and they're the only ones awake, you know, but, um, I, I think it's interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? Even as you ask the question, I think there's the mystery to it. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a it, fun, uh, you know, we all get the, also the, like the, the like Kirk Cameron movies, you mm-hmm. know, in our minds yeah. and this kind of stuff. I think yeah. that's part of it, but I think there's also just the, there's the, like the figuring it out. It's like, it's like watching a Nicolas Cage movie, right? Where like he has yeah. to put all these pieces together and this and that. I like that. I chose Nicolas Cage. there. I like that too, actually. Uh, and I think that's it. It's like, I figured it out, but, but history is littered with generations of people who said, this is when Jesus is mm. returning. I figured it out. Mm. And then it doesn't happen. This yeah. is when it's happening. And then it doesn't it's happen. True. Uh, I believe there was a big prophetic guy who said like uh, two weeks ago that said Jesus was returning and then oh, it didn't happen. Then it didn't happen. And I just, I hang on the words of, of Jesus that are like, it's not about when yeah. it's about that and yeah. it, it's happening. And so live in light of it yeah. as if it's about to happen. Right. Uh, because then we're ready. Then we're prepared. Yeah. And then we've got the perspective too, of how do we deal with things like wars and other yeah. things. And uh, so I think your friend's call to be watchful, I think is a good one. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. Uh, quickly, a couple things they say over at Gospel Coalition. Endure suffering in the meantime. Consider, like, use Jesus's return as fuel to continue faithfully ministering to others. So I think that's kind of that mm. same word. Like, let's live on mission in light of Jesus's return. All right. Coming back, I want to talk about bouncing back after just like a bad day, bad day on the job, maybe a bad mothering day, bad outcome on a test. How do we bounce back? We're going to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Brian, I think I told you I spoke at the Amplify Conference at Wheaton College on Tuesday, same day that my book came out. So that was really fun. And one of the things that they've invited me to come speak on uh, is like encountering church hurt and abuse, which is, you know, Fun. really lighthearted, <laughs> easy topic to talk about. Um, and something that I've done in previous years, and I did again this year, is I bring two people of color to talk specifically about racial trauma in the church about halfway through. So I talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of abuse of pastors, pastors who are abusive and what okay. do we do, and then move into the racial trauma panel. And really interesting. So the first time I did this was right after, I mean, 2020 was, everything was closed. It must've been 2021, 2022. And people were very engaged. They were asking so many questions. They were just like, 
help us understand racial trauma in the church more. And mm. what surprised me yesterday, so now it's 2023. I don't know if we're, we're too far from 2020. I don't know. But I had a, most people were engaged. I had two people say, isn't this just the social gospel? How do you move from this kind of thing to talking about Jesus? This is political. Mm. And I was very surprised. To be honest, they were really good questions. And I felt like I was able to feed them well and say, well, you know, remember that the gospel of Jesus reconciles us to God and to one another. So this is a part of that work. And remember, we're talking about church hurt and abuse and trauma. And so we need to learn some of these stories and how we can engage with them relationally. And, you know, tried to be very like, I, I think it's they were very valid questions. Mm-hmm. And yet it surprised me a little bit that the sort of political um flag was being waved. This is political. Okay. We didn't say anything about politics. We're just literally having two people share their stories of church hurt and why they still love Jesus and still love the church. Um, so that surprised me, to be honest. Mm. And um, it one thing, it actually helped me because I realized like I, you and I have talked about this. We're really in this conversation at our church. And so sometimes I forget, like I need to maybe like lead the way better for people like, Hey, we're going to talk about this. Here might be some reactions you might have, but Mm. let's just listen. And like, I could have couched it better. So that was a good learning for me. But I I will say, I still was like, I'm so shocked that that Mm. happened. Like it, it really took me off guard. So here's where I want to go with that. Um, when you, because here's the other thing that happened. My my kid had a math test and he had a bad day on the math test. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking about, you know, that wasn't a, necessarily a bad outcome at Amplify, but it did threaten to like make me feel like, oh, did I do a bad job? Did I mess up? What happened? You know, like, so I'm like kind of thinking about that. And then my son had a bad test and I had another okay. friend who was like, oh, I've been such a bad mom today. I really screwed up as a stay-at-home mom. I yelled at my kids when I shouldn't. And, you know, other people who fail on the jobs. Maybe you have a bad sermon. If you're a pastor, maybe you make a mistake. Like how do we, the the art of resiliency, the art of bouncing back. Mm. That's what I want to talk about. Have you ever had an experience like that, Brian? Let's say early on, maybe you had a sermon that wasn't so great and you were like, ah, you know what I mean? Or, or something like that. No, it all goes well for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a, that is interesting. Um, how do you bounce back? I, I'm not sure I bounce back great. It's yeah. like, uh, you, you kind of hold on to, because uh, sometimes, you know, if it's a bad sermon, there's like a little bit of embarrassment or, amp, you know, if you're teaching a, set, a session at Amplify and yeah. uh, and you don't feel like it goes well, it's like, oh, yeah. well, what do they think of me now? Totally, totally. Uh, you know, or, you know, I... If, I'm many years away from test taking, so I don't know that. But also, if you fail, you know, I wasn't nice to my wife or my kids mm-hmm. today. You know, I blew mm-hmm. up on them. Like, what do you do? And it sounds really basic and and weird. I'm, I, I wish I had greater wisdom than this, but like one foot in front of the other. Like, yeah. say sorry who you need to say sorry to. Learn what you need to learn. Hey, I, my sermon didn't go well today because I didn't prep long enough, or I. Mm. Or I didn't get prepared. Like, mm. I didn't get a good night's sleep, or whatever. Okay, yeah. Next time you teach this session and you go, you know what? I didn't think this through fully about how different yeah. people would react. Well, now next time it's so easier said than done, but I right. think, you know, maybe your son going, I know, need to prepare I, more for my to, math test. Right. I need to study more. Or I need to go get some extra help or I need mm-hmm. to, uh, whatever else it might be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I, 
it's when we take our identity and we just beat ourselves up over these things uh, that you can't get over them. And that, that's isn't that hard? That's, Absolutely. Sometimes it's, I think, maybe I'm wrong about this, but when you have a public job, so for instance, speaking at Amplify yesterday, sometimes, or doing a sermon, sometimes I think that's hard, really hard to bounce back from because you do it publicly. It's like, oh my mm. goodness, I am messing up. And again, I don't think I messed up at Amplify yesterday, but I will say that I thought about those like, oh, I should have, I should have done this. I should have yeah, prepared better. Yeah. I should have softened the conversation. I should, you know, like I, um, to do it in front of people, right? It's that's almost hard. like, yeah. I'd, oh, I'd so much rather fail privately <laughs> right you think, like, you think of like athletes that you know you watch a yeah game and they, they succeed or fail like you uh -huh. strike out or you get the base hit mm -hmm. you make the mm -hmm. shot or you miss the shot yeah the field goal goes in the field goal goes wide yeah, <laughs> like like yeah. Right there. and i've often wondered like the 49ers had a guy miss a field goal to lose the game to th th this past week like uh People miss field goals, right? But yeah. if it went through the uprights, they won. If it missed, they lost. And it uh, missed. Now, obviously, there are a lot of reasons they lost, but that yeah. ultimately is what everyone remembers. And I always think to myself, like their only job as a kicker is to make the field goal, right? Like just make it. <laughs> so what do they do when they go home? What's uh, the feeling? What's yeah, the yeah? Like, and does that motivate that kicker, for for example, to practice more? Uh huh. To, or does it break them? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I like the Bears a couple years ago had a kicker who it clearly got in his head and he just kept missing kicks. And you might remember oh. his name, Cody Parkey. Remember, he kept hitting the uprights. And yeah. Yeah. I think it, how you deal with failure in life is, and like you said, what you did yesterday wasn't failure. But right. 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 But we're it talking just brings in general, up this topic. Yeah. How you deal with failure in life, I think in many ways, determines mm. kind of your path forward. Mm. Like, okay, yeah. if I had a terrible sermon early on, am right. I going to get I better and keep preaching? Or am I, do I go, hey, I should never do yeah. this again? Yeah, um, I think that's true. And I do feel like, I mean, you know, let's continue talking about yesterday. Like there were some lessons I learned. Okay, like next year, here's what I would do to like set up this conversation in a way that mm. might be more helpful. Here's what I would talk about instead here. So that can fuel me to, move forward, learn, and it only get better. It's like that failing forward idea. Or you're right. Or you can bury your head in the sand of shame and just be like, never mind. I'm never going to do this thing again. I think you're right. Like that was kind of profound. The way you the way you respond to failure is very uh kind of determines your future a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to really you, that you're gonna fail. Yeah. Right? Whether it yeah. be sports or preaching or whatever else you're going Parenting. to make mistakes. Yeah. 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 Marriage. Like, mm -hmm. and the question is, how do you, you know, are you willing to own your mistakes? Say you're sorry mm -hmm. to who you need to say you're sorry to yeah. learn, assess and go forward. Yeah. And yeah, it's a lot easier said than done. A lot of us just want to be like, Oh, I succeeded everything. And here I go. <laughs> I know. Weird. I know. It's hard. You know, you, you think about all the stories of, you know, the, the musicians or the authors or the actors who like failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and then finally got their, you know, their big break. But you forget that all of those failures help them build the skill and the craft and the resilience. You think about the sports guys, like all of those failures actually help them get better in the end if they, use it to fuel them. So I think maybe that's, 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 right. that's, that's the right. key to the bounce back. Like 
hey, you know, maybe take your moment to like have a little pity party and then you got to move forward and learn what God wants to show you and and grow from it. So the bounce back. All right. Coming up next, Brian, I saw something on Jimmy Fallon the other night that was so funny. He he does these hashtag games. This one was hashtag fall songs. We're going to talk about that and some other things about the fall. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's the end of the show. And so we want to send you off with a smile on your face. Talk about some things about the fall, Brian. The mm. fall, we can say, is officially here, right? I, I tried to say it yesterday, and my husband was like, don't say it yet. I'm like, well, I think it's here. Like, the weather's changing. It's getting dark early. The pumpkin spice lattes are out there. Halloween's around the corner. It's fall, right? Like, we can say it? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it definitely is. It definitely is. Okay. I'm wearing a hoodie today, for sure. Yeah. Well, you always wear a hoodie, so that doesn't really <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. But okay. So I I don't always watch Jimmy Fallon because I'm asleep at like 8:30 p.m. But Fallon, yeah. uh, last weekend I was traveling and I ended up you know staying up late at my hotel for a variety of reasons and I was watching Jimmy Fallon and you know they do hashtag games which I'd kind of forgotten about on the show which are so funny and they did one make a song about fall. And yes, and it was so, so funny. I'm just going to share a couple of these with you. One was uh, (laughs) Apple Bobbin Jeans, (laughs) (laughs) nice, which I thought was really, really good. Uh, Another one. uh, So this is a new phrase that I learned about. I think I told you in New England called uh, leaf peepers. I told you about that, right? The leaf peepers. Okay. Somebody put leaf peeping in the USA for rock in the USA. R-O-C-K in the USA. (laughs) They put L-E-A-F peeping in the USA. That's really funny. I know. That one made me so, so happy. Uh, Lots of like rake it off, rake it to the limit. Lots of just like rake, you know, Turning something in like shake, what a rock, whatever, turning into rake for leaf raking. Okay. Um, oh, uh, off like Taylor Swift. Yeah. I gotcha. I yeah. Gotcha. This one was kind of funny. Somebody put the Humpty Dumpty dance and then they put, sorry, that's a song about a fall, not the fall. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty I mean, good. I, I, my feelings are hurt if they don't put anything in there about, um, about wearing hoodies like this is, the, oh, this is my time yeah. of year yeah uh, that would have I don't been know good that's i probably have to come up with that song on my own where what would fit it but uh yeah yeah that's that's probably it that's pretty good somebody put uh pumpkin up the jam like mm. pump up the jam but pumpkin up the jam somebody put <laughs> you know that song slow ride take it yes, easy yes. Put, slow hayride <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could have one. You, you for the fall love starting fires in your house, like in the fireplace. Do. I love starting. So we, fire. we didn't we start the- something to Billy Joel's. We didn't start fire. Yeah, like or, we did. We definitely started the fire or something like that. Be better than that, but yeah, yeah something, like, <laughs> something like that. Okay, you know, uh, knocking on heaven's door. Some mm. this one. This one's a little tricky. Somebody put. <laughs> Autumnal equinox knocks nope. knocking on heaven's door. 
nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, they tried too hard on that one. They tried too hard. I still think Apple Bobbin Jeans is like the best one I've ever heard. That one's pretty good. That's pretty good. Apple yep, Bobbin yep. Jeans, boots with the fur. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, moving on from that, I asked Chat Chat GPT, my new friend. I'm having a lot of fun playing games on Chat GPT lately. Uh, I I learned a tip from our producer, like have Chat GPT write your tweets for you. So I've just been doing that. It's very 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 entertaining. But I asked Chat GPT, like, what are the best things about fall? Are you ready to hear their list? Uh, their best it's things list, about his, fall. Her list. I don't know what you call Chat GPT. Are you ready to hear chats? Chats I list. Am, okay. I am. Before you read them, can I tell you yeah. totally something kind of on the subject or off? Yeah, yeah, but please, it's please, please. Because it made me think of like Siri on your phone because they're yeah. going to tell you that you called her she like. The yes, right. It threw my whole family, my wife the other day. So we were up in Hope and she had their maps on where like then they'll go turn left, turn right. Right. And she had changed the voice, but like not greatly. But she told us, she's like, yeah, Siri's voice just got really annoying to me. But like <laughs> to hear a different voice, it wasn't like crazy. And this, what was weird about it was it wasn't like. It was like just a little bit different than Siri, but she said it sounded like nicer and like more like normal. It's actually really funny. The rest of us were like, whose voice is that? Who is that? He's like, yeah, I changed the voice. I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. It's actually my kids like doing that. You know, you could do an Irish accent. You could do Brit. You could do Australian. The hard part is like they, it actually changes to the language. So if you do British, you know, British English is different than American English. Yes. So some things don't translate, right? Or some questions you ask don't get answered properly. But this one was very it's close. Funny. And that's what made it weird. Like, <laughs> it was just like slightly off. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. That's that's actually really funny. Okay. Yeah. Will ChatGPT have a voice one day? Maybe. All right. Here, here's what ChatGPT had to say about the fall. Best things about the fall. Cooler weather. Okay. The crisp and cool air of fall can be a relief. Break out your cozy sweaters and scarves or in Brian's uh, case, your hoodie. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, I would affirm this. I like the crisp weather mm-hmm. until about mid-fall. And then you're like, oh, I, like I, I still kind of miss the shorts and the this. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to be like fall's my favorite weather it's nice to get out of summer and like have a little bit but then you're a little like, change no, no, go back go back <laughs> i know because you're right like there are moments like i think about the winter when you're like running to your car and your nose hairs are freezing and your eyelashes are freezing and you're like why do i live in illinois like that day is coming for sure yes. and that's no yes. bueno okay uh beautiful foliage one of the most iconic features of fall is the changing colors. The vibrant reds, oranges, and yellows create stunning landscapes. That is very true. Are you ready for this one? I don't know if you'll agree, Brian, but here we go. Pumpkin everything. I already disagree. <laughs> Pumpkin spice lattes, disagreed. pumpkin pie, pumpkin bread. I knew you would like that one. I think, you know, pumpkins in general are cute. I used to like decorating pumpkins with my children. Yeah, that's Although when fun. Jackson, he'll, he'll love that I shared this. When he was little, little. So not like now, but when he was little, little. Yeah. He was so disgusted by the feel of the inside of the pumpkin and the smell <laughs> that we would like be like, hey, we're going to carve pumpkins. And he would like cry. And like, <gasps> no, no, are you serious? <laughs> Yeah, he just, he was so like, it was the smell. He hated the smell. I mean, it is gross. Yeah. It's also that gross feel when you have to Yeah, they are nasty. They're, you want to be like, hey, buddy, like, (laughs) you're supposed to carve pumpkins. This is what you do. This is what you do at at Halloween. And he would, (laughs) 
he would throw the biggest. This is again when he was little, little. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Actually, I love that. I feel like that's like the story you tell at his wedding toast or something. <laughs> that's so good. All right, next they say the harvest season, harvest festivals, farmers markets, enjoying local produce, celebrating the bounty of the season. I like that. Uh, Halloween. Halloween for many is the highlight of the fall. It's a time for dressing up, carving pumpkins, and enjoying spooky decorations. I, I love Halloween, but I, I told you this the other day with the age of my kids. Yeah. And we don't live in a neighborhood where there's like a lot of Halloween activity. Like, yeah. I even for, I didn't even realize that it's like next week. I know. Like, it's so soon. Weeks, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize it. Like it's it's completely off my radar. Yeah. But you're not even thinking about it. Halloween. I'm like, well, Halloween. Okay. You know what I'm very excited about? I So I, I wanted to be Ted Lasso for Halloween, but I decided to do something different. I'm not, my kids have this favorite anime character that they are obsessed with. Uh, Monkey D. Luffy is his name from One Piece. And I decided I'm not going to tell my kids, but I'm going to get the costume. And just on Halloween, I'm just going to put it on and like walk downstairs. I'm really so funny. excited about it. I know. I That's can't really wait. Funny. I can't wait. All right. Couple more cozy evenings. This is my favorite thing about the fall and the winter. As the days get shorter, curl up with a good book, watch movies, enjoy a warm drink by the fire, fall fashion, stylish boots. I know you care about that, Brian. Jackets and accessories. Comfort food. I like this. Mm. Soup, stews. I would add chili. Chili. Definitely. Chili. Yes, yes. Thanksgiving, less crowded tourist spots, crunching leaves. I like that one. And the smell of fall. Yeah, that's true. You got to rake them. All right, I'm going to make a stand here. Okay, let's hear consider, it. I do not consider Thanksgiving a fall holiday. <gasps> I get it that it falls in fall, like I Whoa! get it, but it feels that feels Whoa! wintry to me. That feels no. early winter. No, no, no. You got you saw pumpkins on the table decorating. Like but you could have the snow. colors of Thanksgiving are like orange and red oh, and brown. No, That's I don't, I don't that is fall through so and through. About- colors and all of that wow no i have never heard anyone say thanksgiving is a winter holiday ever i guess i wouldn't proclaim it feels wintery it doesn't feel like what you're describing like you're not Hmm. going out and having a bonfire at thanksgiving it's too cold i disagree with i disagree with this wholeheartedly it's i'm not it's not a hill for me to die on i'm I'm fine it's just a thought you have yay hey people can let us know at common good talk is thanksgiving a fall or a winter holiday hey we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m for brian from i'm aubrey sampson and you've been listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.